Today on Lockdown Red Wings, I do a crossover preview of the back-to-back games with the Ottawa Senators. Your Locked On Red Wings, your daily podcast on the Detroit Red Wings, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, we're now very pleased to be welcomed by a good friend of the show. It's one of the hosts of Locked On Detroit Red Wings. It's Brian Fisher. Brian, welcome to the show. How are you doing today, man? I'm doing pretty good. I uh, can't say the same for Scotty, who is not with me today, as he is still battling having no power for like the fourth day in a row here in Michigan after the ice storm came through. But hey, you guys came in clutch offering a crossover, and here we are excited to talk before this had a back-to-back matchup with a team two teams fighting for a wild card spot and playing in the same town you don't often see that it was supposed to be three games in such a short period of time right before 2023 and ultimately another storm was the reason why that game was postponed up in ottawa so we'll get back-to-back games monday and tuesday great time to check in if you missed our crossover scotty was with us right before the season it was more of a where are we at in the rebuild well, the Red Wings are on a bit of a roll themselves right now, 7-2 and two in their last nine games. And you were telling us before that loss, 3-0 to Tampa, was more just Andre Vasilevsky doing what he does best. Oh, absolutely. And you know what? I come away from that game. I was saying this to my, my buddy of mine. I came away from that loss to the Tampa Bay Lightning feeling more confident in the Red Wings than I did coming into the game, despite a 3-0 loss, because this Tampa Bay Lightning team has gone to three straight Stanley Cup finals, and you not just outplayed them, but outright dominated them the entire game. You had 40-plus shots on net against them. They didn't even have 20. The only thing, the only reason you lost that game is because Andre Vasilevsky pulled a goalie mode on you. He went God mode and stopped every single shot, and it wasn't even, it was ridiculous, the types of things he did, and I said it during the game, is his anticipation was otherworldly. Like, he knew where that puck was going before the Red Wings knew where that puck was going. And he was just always there to make the stop. So I came away feeling more confident just because despite a 3-0 loss, it felt like a game that they deserved to win, but run into a hot goalie, they, they'll do that. And from what I understand, it was a bit of a, a revenge game for him because just the night before, two nights before, he kind of got embarrassed uh, in that. Yeah, Andre Vasilevsky doesn't have too many back-to-back bad performances, that's for sure. Now, uh, Brian, I want to get into the Red Wings spot here because I'm just so fascinated with what this team is going to do because we talked about it uh, off-air a little while ago. They were talking about being sellers, moving Tyler Bertuzzi, a guy that's a top-line winger that's kind of in a spot to be a big part of this team moving forward. And they were talking about selling and then they end up giving Mata an extension. They say the Bertuzzi's off the board here. Hopefully a Dylan Larkin extension is still in the works. Like where do you think the Red Wings are with this trade deadline coming up here? I think they're in a position now where they're probably going to stand pat. And as far as the Bertuzzi thing goes, I, I mean, I came into the season thinking they would sell for sure because I figured I did think this is kind of where they would be on the outside looking in, but I figured that they would sell just because they knew they wouldn't make the playoffs. But when it came to Tyler Bertuzzi with his contract expiring, having to give a big contract to Larkin almost, I figured was guaranteed, but that contract's still not uh, inked yet. And then also young guys like Raymond and Cider who are in the second year of the ELCs. I figure the NHL is kind of going the route of the Tim Stutzla 
or you give them the big contract coming out of that ELC because long-term it's cheaper. Um, I figured that Tyler Bertuzzi just didn't fit in cap space wise, but they decided maybe the offers weren't as good because he's had a lot of injury issues this year, despite coming off a great year last year, 60 plus points, 30 goals. He's broken his hand twice. He's pulled his groin. He's missed a ton of hockey, despite the fact that he's playing really good right now. Maybe he was getting lowballed. Maybe Steve Eiserman didn't like the offers he was getting. And then that combined with the fact that the Red Wings hit a hot streak and Tyler Bertuzzi's play picking back up to where it was, it was a big part of that hot streak. Uh, I've maybe Eiserman just decided it was better for the team to make that playoff push, get that experience. Maybe if they made it to the playoffs, get the playoff experience and build that locker room confidence and risk him just walking away in the offseason than it was to get a fourth round pick and telling your team, I don't care if you're playing well, we're selling. Yeah, that's, that's definitely fair. I was going to say another thing that really turned this season around seems to be a move to take away Ben Sherratt from Mo Sider's D pair. And now this Jake Wallman kid, he's kind of come out of nowhere and seems to be a real stabilizer back there. Is that accurate? And what can you say about that top pair since the move was made? <laughs> I can't say enough good things about that top pair since that move was made. And this is one of those moves. So they got Jake Wallman in the Nick Letty deal to St. Louis last year. They got him, Oscar Sundquist, and I believe a second round pick out of that deal where they sent Wachowski and Letty to St. Louis. And, you know, last season when he came to Detroit in those few games, you know, he showed flashes of great breakout, break-in presence. He looked like a puck-moving defenseman with a hard shot. And you didn't get enough opportunity to see him. And then entering this season, shoulder surgery, didn't play the first half of the year. But then he comes back. He's playing on the third pair. And he's that third pair looked amazing. And he's playing with, like, Jordan Osterle, Gustav Lindstrom, Robert Hay, guys who, like, Honestly, on most NHL teams, probably wouldn't be in the NHL, but he'd make those pairs look good. So he worked his way up, and now he's playing with Olimata or Philip Peronik, and that pair looks good. Okay, well, Ben Chirot and Moritz Sider have not been looking good all, all season long. They do not mesh well. Moritz Sider looks like he's in some kind of sophomore slump. Ben Chirot looks like Ben Chirot, and that is what I was afraid of. Uh, so they take him off the pair finally. They pair Wallman and Sider and instantaneously. The chemistry was there. Watching those two play together, it's incredible because it feels like you have a bona fide top pair on the Detroit Red Wings. Mort Sider's creativity, his patience with the puck. He's so, so solid defensively. Jake Wallman, again, the puck moving ability. The shot selection is really good. He's got good handles. He's got the speed. Coming into that game against Tampa, and I don't know if it's changed since then because I believe they were out there for two even strength goals against, against the Tampa Bay Lightning. But coming into that game against Tampa, they had the lowest expected goals against per 60 minutes out of any defensive pair in the league with at wow. least a minimum 150 minutes played. They were the best defensive pair at expected goals against per 60 minutes. And a lot, big credit goes to Mort Sider, who's regained his form. He looks like Mort Sider of last year, but also Jake Wallman, who is bringing it out of him together. They look like a bona fide top pair defensive pairing. And did, did Steve Eisman really know this is what Jake Wallman was going to become when he traded for him last year? I don't know, but holy hell, like he came out of nowhere and has been fantastic and he's a UFA at the end of this year and I really hope they extend him because he feels like he could be a core piece of this team in the, what, the 30 goal, thirty games he has played. And you talk about the defensive side of the puck. Well, offensively, Mo Sider back to his old tricks, 18 points in his last 23 games. He had 12 in his first 35 games this season. How much of that has been done on the power play or is it also offensively at even strength where he's producing? It's everything. 
it's it, more at cider. When you talk about guys on this team who have superstar caliber potential, I think the conversation starts and ends with more at cider right now. Um, and you know, he might not be your Eric Carlson or your Kale McCarr where they're capable of getting a hundred plus points in a season. He might be a little bit more of a balanced defenseman or even more so a defensive defenseman in the end. He might, his career high might end up being 50 points and that's not bad. People think that to be a good defenseman, you need to be Kale McCarr. That's not necessarily true, but this Red Wings team hasn't had a number one defenseman since what Nicholas Lidstrom. They've had number yeah. one D men, but they haven't had a true tried number one D man. And more side, it looks like it's it. He's it. His patience with the puck, his, his vision, it's, it's all there. And he is a defensive stalwart. If you look at any graph on any penalty kill where he's out there, the shots and the shot attempts from the right side of the zone is almost negligible. On the left side, they're, they're, they're there. He's just – his ability to shut down shots and shot attempts defensively is so great. And then, you know, again, offensively, 50 points ain't too shabby for a defenseman either. Yeah, that's definitely solid for Meritz Sider. Now, I know you mentioned the Red Wings are probably going to stand pat at the trade deadline. But if they were to identify a weakness, what would you say is a weakness they need to identify on this roster? Oh, it's still defense. Okay. <laughs> Outside of Moritz Sider, I feel like that's really it too because – offensively, they've got a ton of depth now, like to the point where Lalone is making tough decisions. He doesn't want to do scratching forwards. It's like, do I scratch Rana? Do I scratch Zadina? Like these guys are playing well. That's a tough decision he has to make. And that's a good problem to have defensively. They, especially on that bottom pairing, it's a, it's a revolving door of Haig, Lindstrom, Osterle playing with Mata. And it's just such a, such a glaring weakness on this team because none of them have earned that sixth D-man spot because their play game in and game out is so lackluster, let's say. So it, it's been for sure, I would say the the bottom two pairs, notably the bottom, bottom pair on the Red Wings defense has been lackluster. And I would say, I, I don't want to say backup goaltending because Magnus Helberg has been good, oh, but my guy, that's my yeah, guy, Brian. The, the first half of the season, we, we didn't have, a backup goalie because Nedeljkovic suffered and the Red Wings suffered because of that. So, but they, they have a little bit more stability there, but you're still giving Vili Huso, you know, nine out of 10 starts most of the time because he's been so good, but definitely defensive side of the puck is where they struggle. All right, let's take a short break from our conversation with Ross and Brandon to talk to you guys today about athletic greens. This next part, this next partner is a product you got to use literally every day. Start taking AG one because with one, Delicious scoop of AG1. You're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food-sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens. Help you start your day right. The special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging, all those things. It's lifestyle-friendly whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free, and it contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals, or artificial anything while still tasting good. Athletic Greens has over 7,000 five-star reviews and it's recommended by professional athletes and trusted by leading health experts such as Tim Ferriss and Michael Gervais. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. 
All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NHL network. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash NHL network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. So let's get into this back-to-back meeting. Right now, one win each, Ottawa and Detroit so far. So the season series will conclude by the end of Tuesday. The teams have each played 58 games. They've each won 28 games. The Senators have scored two less goals and allowed one more goal. It's a pretty close matchup. What's the mood going into these two games from the Detroit side of things? Uh, Do or die, really. Uh, This is a Red Wings team that's playing really hot right now, but a lot of everyone understands that that can change in a minute. You're right there in the fight, but two losses to a division rival who you're also fighting for a wild card spot with. If the Red Wings lose, I would say, I mean, one would be bad, but if they lose both these games to the Senators in Ottawa, you know, that could completely immediately change and shift gears from standing pat to selling again because the standings are currently... 62 and 64 is that it ottawa's got 60 points because you guys have a few extra um overtime losses yeah six we have 64 points the senators have 60 so you sweep the red wings now you're tied with the red wings in points and if the red wings sweep the ottawa senators now not only have you really pushed ottawa's chances out the door um but the detroit red wings hop right top the wild card like that's how imperative these back-to-back is and I think the Red Wings understand that, and they're going to go in there and fight their butts off. But obviously, Senators have uh, quite a bit of at stake as well, so they're going to be fighting just as hard. And you know, I do want to, I would do want to ask you guys about how it is that the Ottawa Senators can be the 16th team in Corsi four percentage and have a top 10 power play and penalty kill, yet only have 60 points on the season so far. How, when you possess the puck the majority of the game and your power play and penalty kill are so dominant, are you not winning enough hockey games to be right in the wild card? I mean, you're in the wild card race, but like be at the top of it. Sniffing around. Yeah. Brian, this is a great question that Senators fans themselves are asking. Like, man, if you look at the numbers, it seems like this team could be in a, at least a better position in this wild card race, but a big part of it and, I know injuries, you can't use them as excuses because everybody's got them, but this is the healthiest the Senators have been, and they're without their 1B goalie in Forsberg, and they're without their second-line center in Josh Norris. Throughout the whole year, Ross, I mean, the injury line of our lineup graphic has been filled with three, four, five, sometimes even six or seven guys on there because this team just has not had a, a healthy stretch together, and that's made it really hard to have consistent lines. Like the lines have had to be jumbled because they're relying on that top six so much. The depth on this team hasn't been good. And similar to what you mentioned, the defensive side of this decor just hasn't been up to snuff and they're leaving goalies hanging out to dry left, right, and center here. So the Ottawa Senators, they've had games where we really felt like they've built something and they've got it all together. And then the next game, we're sitting there being like, this team is not even close. (laughs) Yeah, it's such a funny kind of um, balancing act, or should I say teeter-totter between, oh, we're so close, or tearing down, this thing is completely useless. I would point to the start of the season. After Ottawa won four straight at home, um, following two losses. So they were four and two. They then lose seven straight. They're only able to get one loser point out of it, and every single game outside of empty net goals was a one-goal game. So you look at it, and just like Detroit, they have the same amount of wins, 
but they're further back because they have barely any of the loser points. And I know it sucks and it's a loser mentality to rely on that, go out and win games and just get the two, but it does kind of add up over a long season where you look at it and, and at the end of the day, you're like, man, why could you not have scored with the goalie pulled one or two more times and at least make things interesting as it uh, as it progressed. The other thing I would point out is a lack of depth scoring that they seem to have fixed, at least against Montreal. The bottom six accumulated for three of the five goals in a 5-2 win on Saturday night, but they've just been getting next to no production. Mathieu Joseph, who dominated the Red Wings last year after coming over in that trade, mm. had a hat-trick against them and played unbelievably well. He had 12 points in 11 games after coming over from Tampa. He has zero even-strength goals this year in 38 games. Zero. Zero. And you need production from your bottom six. Like Derek Broussard, um, who's going to be playing in his 998th and 999th career games against Detroit this week. He's been their top producing bottom six forward this year. And a lot of that production came when he was in the top six because of injuries forcing him into that role. So they, they need more from the bottom six and they need me- better defensive play from their back end. You saw they just gave up a second and a fourth to get rid of Nikita Zaitsev. That's how bad things had gotten with him. But the problem, too, is, yeah, that's his value around the league. Well, the head coach was playing him on the top pair when he was in the lineup. So it was almost as much of taking away one of DJ Smith's toys of helping things out. So we'll see. The the young goaltending has been a lot better here recently. We'll see what happens with Cam Talbot before the deadline. I would expect to see him in one of those Detroit games. I mean, he's had games where he's stolen it, and then he gave away that Detroit game on New Year's Eve. Remember the bad giveaway where he literally just put it right on a, on a tee or he, he just whiffed on the puck actually and just completely missed it. And, and the Red Wings put it in, in the back of the net. So uh, that's a long winded way of saying depth scoring, lack of defensive awareness at times and questionable goaltending throughout the season. But ironically, it seems to be fixed by the kids. Matt Sogard's three Oh and one so far, 21 year old. We call him the great Dane second round pick from 2019 <laughs> um, Danish kid, obviously. And then, Kevin Mandelazy, a, a guy who played in the East Coast League this year, he went out and got them a big win against the Islanders just last week. So uh, interesting times here in Ottawa with the youth kind of coming up, but uh, they're not going anywhere despite the top-end skill and power play. And you talk about their penalty kill also being pretty good top 10 in the league. They're not going to get that consistent effort until you have more guys contributing on a night-to-night basis. Absolutely. And so when it comes to being buyers or sellers at the deadline for Ottawa, I kind of give you my answer. I think the Red Wings are going to more or less just stay put with giving them maybe a trade or two. The Senators being a little bit further back in the playoff race, do you think these next two games kind of will determine whether or not, or is it because the Ottawa Senators kind of bought in pretty hard in the offseason? They kind of are obligated to try and go for it here. Yeah, the Sens are in a weird spot, eh, Ross? Yeah, certainly. And it's almost like where you probably don't get the the Hockey Night in Canada or, or on 32 Thoughts as well, where it's like Elliot Friedman says, if there's a defenseman whose name's been in the rumor mill, the Senators have called on them. They've called on absolutely any defenseman that's potentially available. Jacob Chikrin with ties to the area in Ottawa, that's the one that they keep going back to. But again, he's a left shot. Ideally, Ottawa needs a right shot defenseman to play in the top four. And if you're looking at that as a buying move, you have to look at it where who has term on their deal and who's a guy who you're not just getting for this year, but you're also taking them for a test drive for years to come where we're one, two years down the road. But I, alternatively, we're also hearing that with the pending sale of the team, they're maybe not in a position where they're going to allow the GM to add too much term 
Like we've heard Mackenzie Wieger's name and we've heard most recently Colton Pareko's name as a potential. Those guys are both signed for eight more years after this year. So <laughs> is a new owner going to want that that handcuff, no matter how good the player is, that another long-term deal on the books? It's a very peculiar situation, a, a unique situation around the sale and where this team's at in the, in the course of being rebuilders, but like you said with Stutzla, they also have Norris, they have Kachuk, they have Shabbat. All these guys are signed for five-plus years after this one. So where are you at with leaving flexibility for the new owners and then probably new management team um, going forward versus trying to get the most out of this season that lives or dies potentially on the next two games? So a very interesting spot here leading into the deadline. And I can't really give you an answer other than saying they're looking for a defenseman until I see how these next two games evolve. Do you have anyone in the pipeline defensively who maybe next season can fill that void that you're trying to right now fill through trade? Well, there's two options really. And that's Jacob Bernard Docker and Lassie Thompson. Those guys are both first round picks from a few years ago. And they've, they're fringe guys. Like they're in the AHL. They're not lighting it up. They're not forcing their way into the NHL. But a lot of fans are kind of like, okay, these guys have had time to develop. Either they can play in the NHL or they can't. And you got you got to trade them to bring in other guys here. So uh, personally, I still have a lot of faith in Jacob Bernard Docker. I think he can be a stabilizing guy on the right side. But if, if you're asking, do the Senators solve this issue of defense internally or externally i don't think they're going to be able to solve it internally in the near future so they're going to have to go out and try to get an experienced veteran right hand shot defenseman with term yes and that is a position that a lot of teams are looking for those right shot coveted defensemen who knows who it could be we'll find out sooner and later the locked on nhl network though it's perfect time of year to jump on board with us because we have local experts on the biggest stories and the road to the trade deadline when a move goes down head over on youtube let's say the red wings make a trade go see what brian fisher and scotty bentley have to say about that you can do that for every single team here on the Locked On NHL Network. Coming up, we're going to get in to the Monday game, some Locked On players to watch, some Lookout players, and great, great suggestion coming in on Twitter, at Send Central, a segment where we're each going to, I'm throwing this right to you guys as we go, who are the top five players that we're most excited about for each of our teams going forward? As some fan bases want to see how you, Brian, value the players on the Red Wings, and vice versa for us with the Senators. That's all coming up. You're locked on Senators and locked on Red Wings. A little crossover ahead of the biggest games of the season. I'm going to interrupt the conversation one more time, guys, to talk to you today about Bill Bar. Who else could it have been at this point? Looking for a delicious treat, but you don't want all the fat and the calories? Then you got to try Bill Bar. We got through the holidays. Now we're well into the new year. March is right around the corner, but... New Year's resolutions aren't supposed to end right after the New Year's. And if you're like me and you're still staying strong and carrying on that resolution, you got to try Built. Because with Built, healthy is actually tasty. They're so delicious, you won't think that they're good for you, but they are. And they're perfect to maintain that goal throughout the entire year. What makes Built Bars so good? Well, for starters, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. That's right, real chocolate. And they come with unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, and coconut puff. They're only 130 calories with 4 grams of sugar and a whopping 17 grams of protein. 
you we always tell you guys to go to built.com and you still can but now you can also go to walmart or sam's club go to walmart today you can pick up a four bar box of cookies and cream double chocolate or coconut puffs and if you are close to a sam's club and have a membership stop on by and you get a 13 bar box to buy in bulk with flavors of brownie batter and churro you can thank us later so go to built.com go to sam's club go to walmart you guys won't regret it all right, Pillsy. We got Brian Fisher with us from Locked On Red Wings. Check them out wherever you get your podcast. exactly where you find Locked On Senators. And man, this is a huge game tonight. We're not going to get into the wild card scenario because we're recording this in the middle of the day Sunday where we've already seen Buffalo get two points. But what's going on with the Islanders, the Penguins? But we do know that you have to win your own games. And that's what both Detroit and Ottawa will look to do the next two nights in Canada, Ontario at the Canadian Tire Centre. Who's your locked-on player for the Red Wings, Brian? Because I'm curious to see who you expect the most out of. You know, I think it's going to be Lucas Raymond. Uh, We were talking a little bit before the show, and he's expected to return from injury uh, in Ottawa on Monday. So he has been, you know, pretty pretty important to the Red Wings uh, scoring on that top line with Tyler Petruzzi and Dylan Larkin. And then he got hurt and it's been a revolving door of who's playing on that top line. And they haven't been as effective since barring the one game where Dominic Kubelik scored two goals, but there's just not that same chemistry without Lucas Raymond out there. He is such a, he's such a play driver in the offensive zone with his playmaking ability that him returning to the lineup just really solidifies that top line. And I think that, when you look at players to look out for coming off of an injury where he, I mean, he missed his own bobblehead night. He even said he was frustrated by that. Damn. That was on Saturday. He was so <laughs> excited about that. He wanted to return for that. He couldn't, but he has got a high motor. You know, I talked about Moritz Sider being, you know, the star in the end of the conversation for superstar. But if you talk about one tier below that, Lucas Raymond's right there. Lucas Raymond, you know, has the capability to be a guy who goes to the all-star game for the Red Wings can get 60 plus points, 70 plus points. If he hits that ceiling, I think he's going to be a, very important forward on the Red Wings on that wing with Dylan Larkin for years to come. And I expect his power, his uh, goals and assists to be pretty even as well because of that. Cause I think just he and Dylan Larkin, they connect, man. They connect on such a good level. That's awesome. Kind of cool. The third, fourth and fifth overall picks from the 2020 draft, all going to be in, in play there with Stutzla and Sanderson from the Sens. Pilsy, who are you locked on to from the I, Sens? I'm going to go a little off the board here, Ross, but I'm going to go with Matthew Joseph as my locked-on player. We just saw, yep, Ottawa Goggles. Senators, uh, Brian, their tradition when they win a game. Uh, they it's, It seems kind of dumb explaining it to someone who's not a Sens fan. But they pass around uh, tanning goggles. And if you're the player of the game or whatever, you get to wear the tanning goggles. It's just a goofy, uh, mm-hmm. goofy thing. So, Matt. What are the Red? Do the Red Wings have so. one? Not that I'm aware of. Oh, no. No, I don't think no so. props? No All right, that, that's a that's an advantage I'm going to keep in my head. Yep, advantage exactly. Yeah, advantage Um, But Matthew Joseph. Hey, maybe maybe they'll hand out the sends chain. I think Helberg's the last guy who had <laughs> chain with before him. they ditched. That him. would actually be hilarious if they did that. I would be sad, but I would uh, be impressed with that move if if <laughs> they decided to try that. But I'm going with Matthew Joseph because Brady Kachuk, the captain, gave him the goggles. Brian, this is a guy that needs a confidence boost. Like Ross said, zero even strength goals, only three goals all year. But what a time to get some confidence from your captain. As we know, Matthew Joseph, when he came over at the trade deadline from Tampa, he lit it up against the Red Wings in three games against the Red Wings in that final stretch of the season. He had eight 
points, including a hat trick. So if ever there was a time for Matthew Joseph to get hot, I got to guess it's now, and I got to hope it's now because these are huge games for the Sens. So that's my lockdown player. You would be surprised how often that kind of stat line is trotted out against the Red Wings in regards to how the last <laughs> season ended. Trust yeah. me, the Senators were not the only team. It seemed like Scotty and I were doing a recap every night about a new player who had their first career hat trick against the Detroit oh. Red Wings last season. After that all-star break, the wheels came off. I remember they lost like seven to six or something ridiculous like that to the Toronto Maple Leafs and a player on their team had a hat trick. It's just like every single game was like that for the Red Wings last year. And uh, Matthew Joseph was no, no exception, unfortunately. Hopefully not tonight. <laughs> but there is a little beef, though, b- between the yeah. Red Wings and Joe Seff. Didn't he get into it? Dylan Larkin? Oh, yeah. That's when he was with involved, Tampa, though, wasn't like that? That's right. No, you're right. So yeah, I, yeah, I, I yeah. don't know how much you guys know about this, but a few years ago, Dylan Larkin got cross-checked in the neck on a face-off by Jamie Benn. He yep. had spent the rest of the year in a neck brace, ended his season, almost had to have surgery. So he that was coming off of that injury into the new season. The Red Wings played Tampa Bay to start the season, and immediately he gets cross-checked in the neck into the boards. And so Larkin pissed off because, again, there was no call on the play. Punched him in the face as he skated by and got suspended for it. And then this last week, I don't know how much you follow Red Wings controversy and Red Wings lore, but they played in Calgary, and Jonathan Huberto cross-checked Larkin in the neck, um, knocking him onto the ice. Larkin had to go, like, left the ice for a little bit and came back a few shifts later. And then the very next game against the Washington Capitals, Dylan Larkin re- uh, reactively cross-checked TJ Oshie in the face and got a five-minute major misconduct, kicked out of the game, and got a maximal fine. And then the next game against the uh, – who did they play after the, right after the Capitals? The Rangers. Michael Rasmussen took a cross-check to the face off of Lindgren, and he got a two-minute minor. So the the cross checks to the face and the neck have been an ongoing controversy in Red Wings lore for the last couple of years, ever since the Jamie Ben thing. So yes, that is the that's the backstory to the Matthew Joseph Dylan Larkin beef. Uh, mostly going back to uncalled cross checks to Dylan Larkin's neck. It's been a thing. Yep. Wow. So, so your um, since wait, do I yeah, need a lock on player, player still, eh? I got to go with Timmy Superstar. If he's going to go with Lucas Raymond, Tim Stutzla is just otherworldly, especially since turning 21, but no points in his last three games. That's the longest such streak in a long time for Stutzla. So I'm expecting the big guns have to come out. Look, the depth guys, we need more from them. They came through against the Montreal Canadiens, which, I mean, their whole team is depth guys, especially with the injuries they've gotten where they're at in their rebuild. But you need your big dogs to come to play when the, the lights are the brightest. So I'm between Brady Kachuk and Tim Stutzla, but I'll go with Timmy right now. That top line with Claude Giroux, I mean, it was Drake Batherson on Saturday, but I think Giroux will probably be back there against the wings. I got to be locked on to Timmy, the guy who gets makes things click offensively. And uh, I think that, correct me if I'm wrong, is foot speed a bit of an issue with the Detroit Red Wings defense? For the most part, yeah. A There's whole? a couple guys that got good speed, but for the most part, yeah. He's a guy who can put guys on their yep. heels in a hurry. So I got to go. Timmy is my my locked-on player. I'm going to be looking out oh, for man. Dylan Larkin. You're playing for your next contract. You're coming up just almost the same reasoning. Your big guys have to be at their best when you have the most important games, and that's that's captain shit right there. So you're hoping that if you're a Red Wings fan, Dylan Larkin's going to do just that. So I'm going to be looking out for him. Again, he's a guy with a ton of speed, ton of uh, vision, great great IQ on the ice. So I'm going to be looking out for him going into this game. Pilsy, who's your looked-out player? 
for the Red Wings. Well, you snagged oh, my uh, lookout player, so I'm going to pivot here. And I'm going to go, for similar reasons, Ross, I'm going to go with Tyler Bertuzzi. A guy, like, this kind of gives me Jake DeBrusque uh, vibes, where it's like a guy that could be a big part of your team, he needs a contract, okay, they're going to sell him. And then the trade deadline comes, okay, no, we're not going to sell him, we're going to keep him. And now that uh, that's kind of the idea, he's playing for his next contract as well. And He's been pretty solid uh, as of late, eh, Brian? Like, I'm looking at his game logs mm-hmm. here. Last last two games, no points, but the Wings also ha- only had one goal in the last two points. Before that, he was on a three-game point streak with four points, and he's the kind of guy that he can play that greasy style of game and piss people off while also scoring and adding offensively. And as uh, people that uh, follow along with the Locked on Sens show, they know that I'm a Guelph Storm guy. I was I was around Guelph when Tyler Bertuzzi was a big part of that team, so I always have a bit of a soft spot for him there. So I'm going to be looking out for Bertuzzi here. Cool too, and uh, Tyler Bertuzzi's it's not always reflective on his points, you know, his style of play because he's usually the guy who can initiate a scoring play but doesn't get on the score sheet because of it. He's not afraid to get into the corners, and he will win a lot of those corner battles and create scoring chances. Yeah, he's so feisty. Even in that three game point streak, if you delve deeper and look at him shift by shift, he's doing things that are positives for the the roster of the team as a whole. He's he's I think he's going to get paid in this next offseason if not by the Red Wings by somebody who wants that type of guy in their top 6. And we need a, a we need I a mean, so out player from Brian Somebody as well. could Yeah. Oh yeah, who are you looking at? No, I was going to go sense? with Tim Stutzla and it was going to sound like a cop out, uh, but I mean he's just so dangerous going into the year when they signed him to that extension I was like that's ballsy. That's really, really ballsy because yeah. he's had a he's had coming off a really just one good season. You don't know if he'll replicate that, if he'll continue to grow, but it's looked so far like it's paid off. 59 points in 54 games played. He's looked like a legitimate threat. But because Ross already picked Tim Stutzla, I think I'll go with the captain, Brady Kachuk, who's nice. been equally as good. And you can never go wrong with somebody who has 61 points in 58 games played. Just again, looking at your guys' stat sheet, the Ottawa Senator stat sheet, it's hard to imagine how you're only at 60 points when you have so many guys at or above a point per game and all your metrics look so good. And yet it's again, I think like you said, Ross, it's probably because of that seven game losing streak that really hurt you. But the senators are good. They're, they're a good hockey team, but they're just unfortunate in that they always seem to be on the outside looking in when it feels like they should be right in the hunt with the rest of the teams. Yeah. And early. Right. So you get out of the race early, but Hey, they they've done what they can to claw back in since us Thanksgiving, which funny enough, that's usually what they say is like the marker for, mm-hmm. if you're in the mix, that's when you know that you are. Whereas for them, they were as far out of it as possible. And then since beating the ducks, they're among the better teams in the league. I actually want to pull up the stats here since that, uh, that fateful night against the Anaheim ducks, who everyone is just putting an absolute beating on since then. The Sens are 13th in the league in yeah. uh, in points. So the Detroit Red Wings, however, mm-hmm. are a lot lower because they had that hot start, right? They've got 40 points in 39 games since U.S. Thanksgiving. Sens have 47 points in 39 games. So same amount of games played. But again, you have the points count just as much in October as they do in, in February, March, and April. So that's not me saying that these teams are in different directions as Detroit's won seven of their last nine. And as you said, probably deserve to at least have an eighth if it weren't for Andre Vasilevsky last night. So I think this is going to be a great test for both teams and one where we're going to look back in the next couple of weeks and say, 
this could make or break. Watch, they're each going to win one game, and we're going <laughs> to be like, okay, let's just keep trotting along. But if, if a team can put a stamp on this and win both, man, that's going to mm. be a huge boost for their Absolutely. playoff percentages. I think you could you could say that this two-game series, if it goes a sweep one way or the other, would make or break a season for both teams. I, I don't think it's too far out of the realm of realism to say that because the chances are, of making the playoffs already for both of our teams are admittedly slim still. And if you lose back-to-back games against a team you're fighting for a playoff spot over, that could big the greater part of the rest of the season put an end to it, especially as the trade deadline's the next big thing. GM could decide, okay, clearly not our year. So huge implications to end it where we started. <laughs> huge. Meaningful so. games is what we love to hear for, for this time of year. And the Sens haven't played those in, in almost half a decade. So it's really exciting to see this. And we hope that everyone follows along on Twitter at Sen Central. And you can follow along at the Locked On Red Wings podcast as well. Um, Brian, we can either go first and give you a second to think about because we're just going to throw okay. this right at you. In terms of organizational value... Who are the top five players in order, in your opinion, on the Detroit Red Wings? If you want a second to organize your thoughts, I think we have ours pretty well set. But it is fun for the other uh, team's fan base who's listening to this to see where we value our own players. Are we talking about prospects as well or only players who are on the current roster? Why don't we okay. say on the current roster? I think I, I'm going. I'm going more so on that. I mean, the Senators. I was going to say our prospect pool is pretty roster. slim right now, <laughs> so we probably won't be dipping into that for our top. Five. That's fair. Yeah. Do you want yeah, us to yeah, roll first? Do. Okay, Pillsy. Cur- why don't I'll say one and and you correct me if I'm wrong? I'm still going Brady. Oh, Kachuk, okay. No All right. I, I am. What we've said, right? And it goes back to a, a couple comments that we get in the mentions. Brian, how 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 true this will ring? And, and maybe you have to see it the next couple of games. But every time Tim Stutzla does something to make me think he's the best player on the team, Brady <laughs> Kachuk does something right after. I'm like, oh, wait, no, no, no. He's the captain for a reason. So I, I think it's the slimmest of margins. And I'm not mattering about like contract length. I mean, like the most valuable players on the team. Brady's still the leading scorer. He's been the leading scorer for three straight years. He's still number one. Yeah, and uh, that's the I was gonna go with Timmy, uh, but there's no there's no argument that I can have because they play two totally different style of games and bring two totally different uh, aspects to the table here. So I, I, I'll I'm totally fine with Brady Kachuk being the top guy, and if that's the case, Tim Stutzla automatically slots into that number two spot. I don't think there's any discussion there. Where are you going for number three? I got one loaded. Do you want me to go and you can correct yeah, me if you ahead. think I'm wrong? I think okay. it's Claude Giroux, man. I really think that he is still at, at the peak of his performance. He's on the road to 1,000 points right now, 23 points away, Brian. So my hot take going into the season was he was going to hit it this year. He needed 77 points, and he's like right on pace here. And he has 31 points in 31 career games, by the way, against the Red Wings. So point-per-game guy against them over his years in Philly. But I, I just think that he's still the smartest player on the ice most times that he's on there, and he still has the skill. Like, 
though the slap shot goal on a breakaway earlier this year to me just cemented that he just has that it factor like how many guys would have the gall to go out there after a huge defensive sequence that lasted almost two minutes straight and to just grab the puck go in all alone and be like no i'm ripping this past the goalie like he just has that it factor so to me he's all right, number yeah three. I'll, I'll accept that now with i think four four and five are interchangeable depends how what way you want to go here but for number four ross I think I'm going to go Jake Sanderson. Like this guy is probably the next number one defenseman on the Ottawa Senators. Like it's very obvious when he's not in this lineup. Thomas Shabbat just hasn't been what Sens fans expected him to be. And Jake Sanderson, even though he's just a young rookie, you can see the makings of a true elite two-way defenseman. So I think for a team that the decor is the biggest struggle, their number one upcoming defenseman and a guy that's already in the NHL is very important to this team. So I'll go Jake Sanderson, number four. I like that. I appreciate that. But Pilsy, we, we can't keep Thomas Shabbat off the top five, right? Like he, he's probably number five. I don't have no? him at five. Who Alex do you have to bring at? Fair. Go off on Debrinket and maybe the worst luck season for of a all player time. that was acquired to be an elite sniper and a 40 plus goal scorer in his mid 20s to only have 19 goals right now. I think everyone in the league would say, Oh, wow, what a disappointment! Ottawa ruined Alex Debrinket. Well, <laughs> not so fast because he has 49 points in 58 games, he's been able to step it up in other areas. He has 22 power play points. And his shooting percentage is only 9.9. I believe career-wise, his average is around 15%. So if he's able to keep that playmaking ability while regressing back to the mean, closer to 15% from 9.9, this guy's going to be an easy 30-35 goal scorer. And he's only 25 years old. He's still under team control. He plays so well on that second line. So I think I respect Thomas Shabbat, but... I think Alex Dabrinkat can have a bigger impact on this team than Shabbat can these days. Yeah, and that's fair. And uh, he loves playing against his home state team in, in Michigan. He's got 27 points in 18 games against Detroit. 27 points in 18 games. Brian, you want a yeah, wild okay. stat? Okay, he's only scored. He's only scored in 16 games. When he scores, Ottawa's 14 yeah. one and one this season. <laughs> that's pretty important stat, I would say. So hopefully they don't. He doesn't score against the Red Wings then. <laughs> Well, the the counter argument to that is he's only scored in 16 out of 58 yeah. games. Yeah. Right? Because a lot of those are two-goal games. So he's only got goals in 16 out of 58 games. I'll agree with you, Pelzi, and we should caveat this. Josh Norris would be on this list if he was healthy, but we're kind of keeping him on the outside. Another good Michigan boy. Ottawa's got a lot of them. Austin Watson as well. And if you count the guys who play at the U.S. national program in Ann Arbor, I mean, that number just triples. It seems like they love dipping into that. Brian, who's who's the number one player? Like, Is it Mo Sider? No doubt. It's got to be more Sider, the most valuable player on the Detroit Red Wings roster, if you ask me. Just having him out there. I think the team is more confident because you know that every single breakout the other way is not going to result in an odd man rush goal or a, a sustained pressure goal. He's just so good at creating the turnovers, blocking the shots, stopping the shots altogether, and then his transition game is so vital. I mean, Moritz Sider is far and away the number one most valuable player to the Red Wings this season in terms of like just what he can bring to the table. When and I know he started the season slow, but since he's brought back and come back to what we expected and how he won the Calder trophy. I mean, without a doubt, he, he's got to be number one. I do think though, 
Uh, number two has got to go to Vili Huso in that because oh, wow. you talk okay. about you talk about where this team would be at without even just a league average goalie or even with a league average goalie, they'd be much further down the standings. The amount of games he has stolen you with his stellar play this season, another great great acquisition by uh, Steve Eisman in the offseason. Again, from the Blues, that 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 pipeline seems to only benefit the Red Wings and not so much the St. Louis Blues, but yeah. Vili Huso. It's not, we, we did a crossover with Nolan, who is the original host, and he went as far as saying it's not out of the realm of realism to say without Billy Huso and that, this team's not sniffing a playoff spot. Because this team's defense, especially early in the season when Sider was struggling, this team was winning games on the back of great Billy Huso performances. At one point, he led the league in shutouts because he started the season so hot. And he struggled a bit in December, but the entire team did too. And since coming back, I mean, he's put up game after game after game of stellar performances. You know, this Tampa Bay game notwithstanding, but, you know, you can't really put the second goal on him. It went off two deflections into the net. The first goal was a breakaway goal. So it's like that give and take on, uh, but Vili Husso, I would say number two, especially because, again, you can't, you're not sniffing a playoff spot without him being a above average goaltender. And it doesn't show on save percentage because he gets peppered most nights. Uh, but his goal saved above expected is like 3.5 across the season. So he's been rock solid so far this season. Um, number three, I think you got to go with captain Dylan Larkin. Okay. You know, you talk about Billy Huso on the back end stopping goals, but in terms of play drivers, Dylan Larkin's the one who is winning the hockey games for the Detroit Red Wings night in and night out. Um, I, I don't have the stat up in front of me, but if you were to find a stat that said who leads the league the last two seasons in game opening goals, it's Dylan Larkin. And I know this for a fact, because nice. I say it on the broadcast almost every night. He leads the league in the first goal scored on any given game. The, he got, always comes okay. out of the gate flying and will score a goal in the first five minutes. And then the Red Wings, type, typically when they have the lead, they typically win those games. It's when they don't score, score first that it's game over. But so, when you have a guy who could like Dylan Larkin and can do that, it's looking pretty good. What I'm hearing, Brian, is run to FanDuel Sportsbook app and hammer Dylan Larkin first goal score. Or, and even that, and uh, hit the over in shots for Dylan Larkin if you can find it, because he shoots the puck. He okay. always shoots nice. the puck. Same, we always say the same with Brady Kachuk. Over mm-hmm. three and a half shots is just complete money in the bank. Uh, the Red Wings, when scoring first, are 18, 6, and 7. So, Mixed two overtime losses wow. in there, but still. Well, 25 times out of 31, they get at least a point. So when you put it like that, it's a little bit easier yeah, to swallow. Absolutely. Um, and then, so number four on my list, you know, I got to go with Lucas Raymond. Yep. He's been right where, where he was drafted. He, was drafted. Yep. he started, like a lot of uh, the guys on this team, he did have a slow start to the season, the sophomore guys, I should say. Uh, but he turned it on uh, around the quarter mark of the season. He's been incredibly consistent since then. I know he, before the injury, was back on track to break his rookie points record, which is, I believe, 57 points. So he's right back to being on pace to break that as he continued to be a really good player on the power play and at even strength for the Red Wings. So I think he's an easy number four. And the number five I battled a little bit about because just previous seasons wanted me to say Tyler Bertuzzi. But then I'm thinking about it. I'm sitting here and like, yes, he's been really good since coming back of, off of injury, but he's been so injury prone this season that I decided to make him the honorable mention. And number five is going to go to Jake Wolman because okay. without that pair being switched up and pairing him with Moritz Sider, Sider does not reclaim his form. And Jake Wolman has been a revelation in his own right uh, this season on both the offensive and the defensive side of the puck with the speed, his handles, everything that I mentioned earlier in the show. Jake Wolman has been in a massive massive 
pleasant surprise. And I hope that he gets re-signed for years to come because they, they need that number two defenseman position locked down just as much as they need that number one position locked down. That's awesome. I think this has been great insight into how you view things from the Red Wings perspective. For people wanting more, they can find him on Twitter, Brian Fisher from Locked On Red Wings. Boys, are we thinking one and one? Pilsy, what's your prediction for this back-to-back set? I think it's going to be very interesting because I think both teams are going to put their top goalie in on Monday and then Mm -hmm. the backup in on Tuesday, but... If they were opposites, I think that's where things would get really interesting, like Talbot against Helberg and uh, Husso up against Sogard. I'm I'm going to be optimistic, and I think the Sens are going to get three points in this uh, little little back to back series. Here, they're going to win the first game and lose the second game in overtime. That's my prediction. Okay, I like that. I'll flip it. I'll say they lose the first one in a shootout and then win big in the second one. Right when they think we're out, yeah, they'll pull fair. us right back in. Brian, I think after the feeling? game against the Tampa Bay Lightning, Red Wings are feeling real frustrated. They know they played, they were the better team in that game, and they need to come into Ottawa and get business done. So I actually think that they win that first game against the Ottawa Senators pretty big. But I wouldn't be surprised if the second game then infuriates the Ottawa Senators knowing we got to win this game or it's game over. And now the Red Wings feeling like they have been vindicated with the first victory will maybe take their foot off the gas a little bit. So I would think that the second game be a bit closer and I wouldn't be surprised if it's a close victory for the Ottawa senators in regulation in game number two. So one and one. All right. Well, we'll find out in just a matter of hours. We're looking forward to that. Brian, we appreciate you jumping on, man. Always a pleasure for Brian, Brian Fisher and Brandon pillar. I'm Ross Levitan. And this has been the locked on senators podcast, your team. Every day. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code program for a four week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com code program.